Welcome to Color Decoded, a podcast about colors inspired by the work from shows at the Community Library of DeWitt and Jamesville's Art Gallery. This program uses art education for the blind's guidelines for describing art. For more information, please visit www.artbeyondsight.org slash handbook slash acs guidelines.shtml. I'm Erin Ann. Our program begins now. acrylic painting on canvas by Laura Stisser was shown with a selection of her works in January and February of 2019. The work is recent and is in a similar style to the acrylic pour technique popularized by social media art accounts in the past few years. Unlike standard acrylic pour pieces, this one does not highlight paint cell breakage designs. Instead, the liquid flow of the paint from the visitor's upper left to the lower right is the most prominent rhythm in the piece. Born on the 4th of July contains contrasting blues, reds, whites, and a dark, almost black purple. The colors are laid on top of each other, standing out boldly or blending, depending on the character of the paint. Some areas starkly contrast what is below them, some mix in to create less distinct areas of color. The flow of the colors are reminiscent of hard rain flowing across a window pane in a stiff wind. Similarly to this scenario, the paint doesn't have a lot of tactile variation over the surface and is generally flat with minimal variations in depth. The rhythm of the colors the different ways they blend, and the contrast between bright white, bright red, blues, and dark purples makes for a very lively, colorful, and engaging piece to behold. The connection to the title is slightly obscure, with the dark purple over the patriotic colors. But there is evocation of fireworks on a dark sky, or the blur of a flag flapping in the wind. Let's take inspiration from this piece and talk about red, white, and blue, the colors of the United States. Charles Thompson, the Secretary of the Continental Congress of the United States of America, created the design for the Great Seal of the USA. As you might recall, the Great Seal contains an eagle holding some items with a shield on its chest. Thompson described the shield in this way. Tailways of thirteen pieces, argent and goyles, a chief azure. This means vertical stripes of red and white with a top of blue. Thompson took the meaning of these patriotic colors from heraldry and its traditions of meanings. White means purity and innocence, red means hardiness and valor, and blue means vigilance, perseverance, and justice. The most recognizable display of red, white, and blue in the United States is in American flags. Dan Holm explores the fabrics and dyes present in the Star-Spangled Banner, assembled by Mary Pickersgill around 1814, now in the collection of the National Museum of American History. 
Holm explains that the wool for the red stripes was dyed red with the root of the matter plant, Rubia tinctorum. White cotton was used for the stars, which retained the cotton's original color. Undyed wool was used for the white stripes, and the star field background was dyed with indigo, one of the oldest natural dyes for fabrics created from the leaves of the plant Indigofera tinctoria. Indigo blue dye was commonly obtained from other sources, including the woad plant Isatis tinctoria, a member of the mustard family native to the clay soil of Europe. Old Glory's blue could be produced from 30 different plant species, and new sources could make their homelands rich. Cassia St. Clair explains in the book The Secret Lives of Color that for a while in 13th century Europe, woad dye and matter dye were rivals. The supporters of matter convinced artists to depict hell and the devil in blues instead of reds or blacks, which was the traditional color. Matter wasn't a particularly color-fast dye, which means it ran or faded. Other reds used on Old Glory were made with cochineal dye taken from small, scaled insects that thrive on prickly pear cacti. Prickly pear is a native cactus variety in North America, while the matter plant is not. Opuchina stricta, the erect prickly pear, has been observed to house infestations of cochineal-producing insects and is native to six southern states that were encompassed by the territory of the 13 colonies in 1776. Matter may have been used as a dye in the first American flags, as the creators were likely to have sourced their materials in whole or part from England and its other territories. I assume using cochineal-dyed fabrics became more common than matter over time, as cochineal is more colorfast and is produced closer to home, if not in the same place altogether. The use of red and blue in flags in the 18th century may derive from the relative fastness of the dyes indigo and cochineal, as synthetic dyes would finally come along in 1856 with William Henry Perkins' synthesis of mauvine purple dye. Other synthetic dyes would quickly follow and are used widely today to color flags. According to Barbara Gatewood, Professor Emeritus of Textile Science at Kansas State University, wool, linen, and silk have made way for polyester and nylon, while you can still find cotton flags for sale today as in centuries past. Let's talk about how the official red, white, and blue are identified. There are systems that are used today to define official colors for consistency and replicability, and these hues are no different. The Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs of the United States Department of State released a style guide for the U.S. flag in 2012. On page 3 of the guide, the national red, white, and blue of the flag is defined digitally using RGB, CMYK, and Pantone standards. In hex color code, the red is E5273C, a bright cherry. The white is FFFFF, pure unadulterated white. And the blue is 002E5A, a moody navy. Now we will take a brief sponsor break to talk about who keeps this show going.
podcast is sponsored by the Community Library of DeWitt and Janesville, situated due east of Syracuse, New York. The library offers convenient, friendly, modern services to its patrons. The library features a fully equipped children's discovery center and collections adjacent to a locally and historically significant mural by artist Elliot Matisse. The library has an art gallery featuring shows on a rotating schedule. Additionally, the library offers ebook, audiobook, music, and streaming video collections. The library's makerspace houses their digital production equipment, including the microphone, hardware, and software that are used to make this podcast. For more information, call or stop by or visit us online at cldnj.org. We look forward to meeting you. firework colors. John Adams, in a letter to his wife in 1776, suggested using fireworks on the 4th of July, although these would be standard flame-colored fireworks until a little later. Firework colors are made from burning specific metals. Charles Wheatstone originated this idea of spectroscopy in 1835, finding that elements could be identified by the colors they give off when burned. The colors are produced from the excitement of electrons when energy is applied, like that from combustions and explosions. When the electrons are no longer excited, they fall back to their original level and release a photon with a specific energy amount or wavelength. Spectroscopy made producing colors for fireworks less of a shot in the dark, and Italian inventors are credited with adding metal to fireworks in the 1830s to produce colored shells. So how do we make the patriotic red, white, and blue of July 4th fireworks? Paul E. Smith from Purdue University writes, Blue is the most difficult color to produce. That is because the evening sky is a shade of blue, which means that most blues do not show up as well. If you try to make the blue brighter to contrast with the background, it can look washed out. The right mix of copper with other chemicals is necessary for a perfect pillbox blue firework. Red is made with strontium compounds like strontium carbonate. White is usually made with magnesium or aluminum. The American Pyrotechnics Association maintains a list of acceptable materials to be used in fireworks as part of their mission to legally classify fireworks, and the ones I enumerated are those contained in the APA Standard 87-1, Standard for Construction and Approval for Transportation of Fireworks, Novelties, and Theatrical Pyrotechnics, which can be found on the APA's website. I'm glad I get to do this podcast because otherwise I would have no idea that this ever existed. And that's a wrap. If you would like to see more of Laura Stisser's fabulous artworks, please visit www.laurastisserart.com. For further listening, I would like to recommend the July 4th, 2012 episode of Stuff You Missed in History class entitled The Bombardment of Baltimore. This episode recounts the events of the night that inspired the U.S. National Anthem, including details about the creation of the flag that flew over the fort that night. 
If you would like to read more about the meaning and uses of color, visit the Art We Heart list on the Community Library Goodreads account, where there is a wide array of color-related volumes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Color Decoded. The theme song is by Embers Tide. Episodes are released on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. This episode was recorded with a snowball microphone in group meeting room A, both available for public use at the Community Library of DeWitt and Jamesville. In the CLDNJ Art Gallery, we have works by Pam Steele up until the end of October. We invite you to visit our gallery, and we will chat with you again on the next installment of Color Decoded.